0: We are going to be back in the book of Revelation today. We are charging right along. We are going to be in Revelation chapter 15 is where we will start. Revelation chapter 15 and we will read on into chapter 16 a little bit probably, Lord willing. Revelation chapter 15 into verse 16. Or excuse me, into chapter 16. The title of today's sermon is Righteous... Judgment. Now, up until this point, uh, we've we've covered some pretty heavy stuff in in the weeks past. We. Uh Earlier on in the book of Revelation, we begin to see God's judgment being poured out among an unrepentant world. We begin to see God's wrath being poured out among an unrepentant world. And leading up to this point, we have seen a little bit of mercy mixed in there. God is being patient with people. God has given people an opportunity to repent of their sinfulness, to turn from their wicked ways and to turn to Him, to turn to Jesus Christ. But what we saw in the last couple weeks, of weeks as we begin to read is we see that uh, there is no more mixture of, of mercy mixed in with God's wrath and God's judgment. There, there is no more grace that is being allowed. It appears at this point that uh, God's wrath is being poured out a full force full strength is what the text would say, uh, kind of paraphrasing a little bit. So it's not diluted anymore. It's not watered down. What we are going to see in these verses that we're going to see today is God's wrath being poured out full force. And some of you may be thinking, how can it get much worse? Because up until this point, we have seen some pretty gnarly things take place in God's word. We have seen some pretty scary things transpire. But As we uh, draw closer to the end of the book of Revelation, particularly uh, this week and next week, we are going to see some very, very intense punishment as God's wrath is poured out among uh, these people who refuse to acknowledge Him as Lord, who refuse to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So we'll read the text and then we will pray. Revelation chapter 15, verse 1. And Then I saw... Another great and awe-inspiring sign in heaven. Seven angels with the seven last plagues, for with them God's wrath will be completed. I also saw something like a sea of glass mixed with fire. And those who had won the victory over the beast, his image, and the number of his name, were standing on the sea of glass with harps from God. They sang the song of God's servant Moses and the song of the Lamb. Great and awe-inspiring are your works, Lord God, the Almighty. Righteous and true are your ways, King of the nations, Lord, who will not fear and glorify your name, because you alone are holy. For all the nations will come and worship before you, because your righteous acts have been revealed. After this, I looked in the heavenly sanctuary, the tabernacle of testimony was opened, Out of the sanctuary came the seven angels with the seven plagues, dressed in clean, bright linen with gold sashes wrapped around their chests. One of the four living creatures gave the seven angels seven bowls filled with the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. Then the sanctuary was filled with smoke from God's glory and from His power, and no one could enter the sanctuary until the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed." Then I heard a loud voice from the sanctuary saying to the seven angels, "Go and pour out the seven bowls of God's wrath on the earth." The first went and poured out his bowl on the earth, and severely painful sores broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast and who worshiped his image. The second bowl poured out, excuse me, the second poured out his bowl into the sea, it turned to blood like a dead man's, and all life in the sea died. The third poured out his bowl into the rivers and the springs of water, and they became blood. I heard the angel of the water say, You are righteous, who is and who was the Holy One, for you have decided these things. Because they poured out the blood of the saints and the prophets, you also gave them blood to drink. They deserve it. Then I heard someone from the altar say, Yes, Lord God, the Almighty, true and righteous, are your judgments? The fourth poured out his bowl on the sun. He was given the power he was given the power to burn people with fire. And people were burned by the intense heat, so they blasphemed the name of God, who had the power over these plagues, and they did not repent and give him glory. The fifth poured out his bowl on the throne of the beasts, and his kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues because of their pain and blaspheme the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores. Yet they did not repent of their actions. Let's pray. God, I come to you this morning and I pray that you would hide me behind the cross, God. That as we look at your words, that I would preach a truth, dear Lord. That I would be obedient to what the text says and what you want us to get out of this today, God. That your Holy Spirit would lead us that you would take away any nerves or worries that I may have, God, that uh, I would lay down my pride, God, that all that is done here today would be for your glory, that you would open each of our hearts, God, each of our minds and our ears, that we would hear your words, that they would have an impact on us, that if there's any in this room today, dear Lord God, that does not know Jesus Christ, that they would listen to your words today, God. That they would hear of the wrath to come, the punishment that will soon be, God, the punishment that will last for all eternity for those who reject your Son. God, I pray that they would come to you today, dear Lord, before it's too late. God, I pray that they would experience your grace today so that they won't have to experience your wrath when the time comes. So I pray that you help us even in these difficult texts that are kind of hard for us to understand to not miss the point, dear Lord. Help us to get something out of it, that your Holy Spirit would lead us this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. <laughs> so verse 15, or excuse me, chapter 15, we begin to see the preparation for these bold judgments to take place. These are going to be uh, the worst of the worst of everything that we have seen so far. God has given ample opportunity, as I stated, for people to repent, and they have refused that. And we see uh, these seven angels that have these seven gold bowls that are filled with these seven last plagues which must take place before the end eventually comes. Verse 1, then I saw another great awe-inspiring sign in heaven, seven angels with the seven last plagues, for with them God's wrath will be completed. I also saw something like a sea of glass mixed with fire, and those who had won the victory over the beast, his image and his number of his name, were standing on the sea of glass with harps from God. So here we have a a good picture of what we talked about last week. Here we have a clear distinction. There are two groups of people that we see continually through the book of Revelation. There are those who have put their trust in Jesus Christ and have won the victory through the Lamb. Amen. And then there are those who have rejected Jesus Christ who have not turned to the Lamb but who have turned to the dragon, the beast, the devil, the text says. And here we clearly have these... Two groups that are distinctly pointed out to us again. Here we have uh, these these things take place on the sea of glass. We saw a reference to that early on in the book of Revelation. That was around the very throne of God. So it is likely that these events take place right around the very throne of God. And who are there? None other than the saints, those who have accepted Jesus Christ. And they are there with harps. And they begin to sing a new song to the Lord. This is a common theme that we have seen through the book of Revelation. We've seen this on a few different instances as we go through the book, chapter 4, chapter 5. We saw it again a couple weeks ago with 144,000. There is a constant praise to the Lord. We see it here. There is a constant praise to the Lord. It says that they are given harps to play. I don't know if you guys have ever heard anybody play a harp or not, but it's a beautiful thing. That's a, that's, a, that's a pretty awesome gift to be able to play a harp. I don't think there are many harpists in the world, but it's a wonderful and beautiful instrument to play. And here we have this beautiful instrument uh, that's symbolized here. Perhaps it's real harps that God gives them. Perhaps it's symbolic of the beauty of the music. I believe it's real harps, but your interpretation could be different. But I believe we're going to see uh, this wonderful group of Christians. Hopefully all of us will be in that group and we will be there and we will be given glory to God. Now these are the ones that are standing there that have conquered the beast. They didn't take the mark of the beast that we talked about a few weeks ago. They haven't given in to worshiping the beast. They realize that God, Yahweh, is, his name would be in the Hebrew that we see in the Old Testament, that Yahweh, the creator of heaven and earth, that he is God, he is in control, that Jesus Christ has provided a way, and they have chosen Jesus Christ and not the Antichrist. And so there is great joy in heaven for those who have turned to the Lord. But we begin to see things kind of picking up. We also see uh, some praise here, but things are leading up to more difficult times. It says that uh, they sang, excuse me, they sang the song of God's servant Moses and the song of the Lamb. It's a song of victory. I believe that this is uh, likely talking about Exodus chapter 15 if you want to go back and read that sometime. That was a song of praise that the Israelite people sung to the Lord when they were delivered from the nation of Egypt. Uh, Moses had went in and God had done a miraculous thing. Here you've got little rinky-dinky Israel. They are slaves to the Egyptians. And here comes Moses of all people. And he comes and through God's power he's able to lead them out of Egypt. And there's nothing that Pharaoh could do that was going to stop them from being let out. And so as they uh, were freed and as they began to travel to the promised land and were talking about that on Sunday nights if you want to know more about Israel and the Promised Land. Just a little plug for the book of Joshua. But as they begin to uh, travel to the Promised Land, they praise the Lord because of all the wonderful things He did. Now, uh, there's one popular story that maybe some of you have heard where Moses uh, parted the sea by the power of the Lord. And so you can imagine how excited the people of Israel must be because here God has delivered them from those who were holding them captive. And not only that, but He parted a whole sea that they crossed on dry land And so they were singing a song of praise to the Lord. And we see a similar praise here because here in Revelation we see the people of God who have been delivered from God's wrath and God's judgment. They have been delivered from the Antichrist. They have been delivered for everything that is to come from this point. And they are praising the Lord because he has brought them through the trials and tribulations. He has given them the victory. Jesus had told the people all the way through as we read the book of revelation he has told us that if we stand firm if we stay on track if we don't deny him if we live for him we will share in the victory that he had that he when he conquered the devil on the cross we will share in that victory that took place when jesus christ rose from the grave and here we have believers who were sharing in that victory read on a little further In verse 5, after this I looked and the heavenly sanctuary, the tabernacle of testimony was opened. Out of the sanctuary came the seven angels with the seven plagues dressed in clean, bright linen with gold sashes wrapped around their chests. One of the four living creatures gave the seven angels seven golden bowls filled with wrath, with the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. Now we've seen golden bowls mentioned up until this point in the book of Revelation. last time we saw a reference to the golden bowls, they held the prayers of the saints that God holds dear. Now we talked about what those prayers could have meant. I think that one of those things that the prayers could have meant uh, could have been a reference back to Revelation chapter 6 where we see these seven seals broken as we begin to get into God's judgment a little bit. As we saw the seven seals broken, when one of those seals were broken, there were those who were martyred, those who had given their life for Jesus Christ, and they were asking God, God, when are you going to bring vengeance? That was their prayer. That was their request. That was their hope is that God would bring vengeance, that God would bring justice to those who had done them wrong, and they were told to wait just a little longer. And so perhaps these uh, prayers that we saw in the gold bowls earlier in the book of Revelation were the prayers of the saints, wanting God's glory to be made known, wanting a sin to be done away with forever, but now we have a different view of what's in the bowls. Now we see that these bowls are full of God's wrath. Perhaps this is uh, kind of pointing us to saying that God has heard the prayers of the saints, not just, uh, not just us and not just those from Revelation chapter 6, but those prayers of the saints who had faith in Him all the way back from the beginning of creation. Those who have always desired for justice to be served. Those who have longed for a day where there is freedom, where there is protection, where there is no more sin, where there is no more sickness, where there is no more murder and strife and pain and lying and cheating and all of these things. We as Christians, I hope everybody, longs to be free of these things. I long to be free of these things. I don't want to live in a world that has that. And so that is my prayer. That is my hope. That is my desire that God will one day return and make all things right. And those who are His, He will take to heaven to be with Him for all of eternity. And those who have rejected Him will face the just punishment that they deserve. And that sounds harsh, but God has given ample opportunity for people to repent. And so it is now that God has been patient long enough with humanity and here we have these seven bowls of God's wrath that are about to be poured out onto an unrepentant world. Now listen to this. Because if you're in this room today and you're on the fence about whether or not you want to accept Jesus Christ, then you need to listen to what God's Word says. Because God is gracious. God was gracious enough to send Jesus Christ so that your sin could be covered. Because you are a sinner, everybody in this room. I'm a sinner, I'm not excluded, we're all sinners. And we are all doomed to hell apart from Jesus Christ. You say, hold up now. I don't care if you want to hear it or not. I'm just telling you what God's Word says. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ, you are doomed to spend an eternity in hell. And the wrath that we will read today is just the tip of the iceberg. Well, iceberg's not a good reference because you would wish for an iceberg in hell, but there's not going to be one. So listen. If the Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart and you realize something's missing and you have neglected to hear God's Word, to listen to God's Word, if you have rejected Jesus Christ, then you have nothing to look forward to when you leave this earth. And we are just getting a taste of what an eternity in hell will be like as we read of God's judgment here, as we read of God's wrath. In verse or excuse me, chapter sixteen, verse one. Then I heard a loud voice from the sanctuary saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out the seven bowls of God's wrath on the earth. The first went and poured out his bowl on the earth, and severely painful sores broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast, and who worshipped his image. So these these <clears throat> The wrath of God that is being poured out here. I believe these are physical, actual things that will take place. Now we've talked a lot in the book of Revelation about uh, the book being a symbolic book, and I believe there are many things in the book that are symbolic. I think a good clue to when things are symbolic is that oftentimes John will use the word like. Something was like something. That is, he wasn't sure exactly how to describe it. It wasn't something he was familiar with, but it was like something. And we don't we don't see that in these verses anywhere as we read in these bowls that we're going to look at today. Uh, uh, John doesn't say that these things are like. He says that these things are this and these things are that. It is also not uncommon for these things to take place. If you go back and you read about Egypt, as we talked about the people of Israel being led out, that when God was trying to get the attention of Pharaoh, he poured out all these plagues among the people, many of which line up with these things that we see in the bowls. Those were actual, physical, literal conditions that these people had to suffer. I believe that these things that we see in the bowls as they're poured out, I don't believe that these are symbolic of things that are going to happen. I believe that these are things that are going to happen. And here we see the first bowl that is poured out, and there are painful sores on all those who have rejected Jesus Christ and have turned to the beasts. Can you imagine what that will be like? Because when this point comes that God's wrath is being poured out, there's no doctor that's going to be able to help you. There's no medicine that you can take. There is nowhere that you can go that you can hide from the Lord for protection. It's going to be a bad day for those who reject Jesus Christ. We see that there are these painful sores that are going to break out all over the bodies. And this is just the beginning. The second bowl. The second poured out his bowl into the sea. It turned to blood. Now, this is not uncommon. We see the same type of language in, in, in uh when God is leading the Israelites out of Egypt. We see the same thing happen to the people in Egypt. And so God is is now striking the water supply. It is turning to blood. We read a little further in the third bowl in verse 4. The third poured out his bowl into the rivers and the springs of water, and they became blood. Again, we see the water supply is being affected. Now, we have to have water to live, And there is nothing like good, fresh, and wonderful water. I don't know if any of you guys have ever worked and got hot, but it's something about good, cold water. It's good. It's thirst-quenching. But here, for those who have rejected Jesus Christ, as God's wrath is poured out, there's not even any clean water to drink. It appears as though all the water is stricken with blood. Could you imagine how miserable that must be? You have uh, all these sores all over you. And yet you can't even escape the pain. You can't even get fresh water to drink. Now this is this is a, a contrast of what Jesus Christ offers. Because Jesus Christ is the living water. Jesus Christ says those who come to Him will never thirst again. And so here we have a... a, a a a, a wide gap between those who accept Jesus Christ who will never thirst again and those who have rejected Jesus Christ all they have to drink their water is bloody what a putrid and nasty day that will be let's read a little further I heard the angel of the water say you are righteous who is and who was the holy one you have decided these things because they poured out the blood of the saints and the prophets. You also gave them blood to drink. They deserve it. Wow. That's pretty heavy. Now, this group of people who have rejected Jesus Christ, they had the opportunity to receive grace. There have been many Christians who we have seen in the book of Revelation who have done God's work. They have been obedient to Jesus Christ all the way up until their death. There are those in the book of Revelation, just as there are those that we see in the world today, who are going out and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to a world that needs to hear it. But the world that needs to hear God's grace through Jesus Christ, they refuse to accept God's grace through Jesus Christ. And instead of accepting the grace, they would rather have blood. The blood of those sharing it. So they take the lives of those Christians who are preaching Jesus Christ. We see it today, and we see in the book of Revelation that's going to happen a lot more. But now uh, the tables have turned. Now these people are suffering greatly, and I would assume that they would probably love for these things to stop. They would like for a little grace, even though they won't acknowledge that they want God to give them the grace. That is the only place that grace comes from. I would believe that in their situation that they would want these things to change. See, before they had the opportunity for grace, but all they wanted was blood, the blood of those bringing the grace. And now they desire grace, and all they receive is blood. And the angel says they get what they deserve. You say, well, boy, that's harsh. What kind of God would do that to people? Let's read a little further. Then I heard someone from the altar say, Yes, Lord God, the Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. What kind of God would do that to people who would reject Him? A just and righteous God would do that. It doesn't appear as though uh, for, for, for those who have neglected the Lord, those who have failed to read God's Word and accept the gospel of Jesus Christ, it doesn't appear as though this judgment is right or deserved. It would seem as though this is a horrible thing that has taken place, and it is. But for those of us who read God's Word and trust in the Lord, we know that this is a righteous judgment. That God is a just judgment. God. Those of us who believe God's Word, we realize that God is the one who sets the standard. God is the one by which all things are judged. Because God's standard is perfect. God's morals are perfect. God does not have anger. God does not have hatred where it's not deserved. We see that God becomes angry with people in Scripture. But it is because of their sinfulness. It is because of their disobedience. It is not because God is a bad God. God is a good God. God is a just God. And the judgment that is being poured out among these unrepentant people is a righteous judgment. And for those of us who are in Christ, for those of us who have seen, brothers and sisters in Christ, who have suffered for the gospel. When we turn on the TV and we see our brothers and sisters in Christ who have died because they have preached Jesus Christ who have been beheaded because they preach Jesus Christ we realize that that is unfair. We realize that that is not right and we want justice to be served and so we know when we see God's judgment that it is a righteous judgment and we see God's glory poured out in the midst of that. And You hear people say all the time, I don't want to serve a God like that. I can never serve a God like that. God's supposed to love everybody. Well, God does love everybody. But you can't turn an eye to sinfulness. You can't turn an eye to wrong. I heard someone say just a few weeks ago, everybody just needs to do what they want to do and don't worry about me. I won't tell you what to do and you don't tell me what to do and everything's going to be fine. The world can't work that way. The world can't work that way. Because what we do in the world is we uh, begin to pick and choose. We see people who do things and we say, well, that's wrong, but somebody else sees it. Well, that's not wrong. And there's something that I do you say is wrong. There's something that you do that you say is wrong. And we don't think what we do is wrong, but we uh, think what other people do is wrong. And so we can't be the judge. We can't be the one who decides of the morals because... Who's right? There has to be a right and there has to be a wrong, whether you want to admit it or not. There is a right and there is a wrong. And the only one who is perfect, who knows the difference, is God Himself. Now, let's say, for instance, we were going to try to get this world on track and we wanted to determine what was right and what was wrong. It would probably be good for us to get a good group of people of all different uh, groups of ages and different uh, nationalities and and, and bring all this group together and say, all right, let's decide on what is morally right. Seems like a good thing to do. So on that that panel, let's say we put a Christian on there. That seems like a, a good place to start, right? And let's put a Muslim on there. And we'll put a murderer on there. We'll put a homosexual. We'll put an alcoholic. We'll put a child abuser on there. We'll put an atheist on there. And then if you say, alright, let's, de- let's decide what is morally right. You'll never have any agreement. Because what the Christian thinks is right, the atheist will never agree with. While the murderer may justify his murder, probably none of the rest of them would agree with that. There's no way that, that we as humans, no matter how many you put of us together, there's no way that we will ever agree because we all can justify what we think is right because that's what we want to do but when we read God's word there's a different moral standard you see God didn't leave it up to us to choose what was right and wrong because we can't God told us what was right and wrong God told us that there was going to be punishment for sin and so when someone does something wrong we can't just just give a little wink it's okay If someone goes around and begins to become a serial killer and murder people, we can't just say, well, he justified it. He said it was okay. He said he thought that's what he was supposed to do, and who are we to judge? Nobody would say that. That would be foolishness. We would all say he needs to be in jail for the rest of his life, or he needs to go to the electric chair. There needs to be some just punishment for the action that was done. Any judge who let a serial killer go and didn't make them suffer the punishment that was deserved would be a horrible judge. It's no different for God. If God said, I'm going to let you live in your sin, I'm not going to punish you, I'm going to let you do all the things you want to do, just have at it, do what you want to do, everything's fine, make your own decisions, that would not be a loving God. But we serve a loving God we serve a God that says, look, I'm going to tell you what's right and wrong, and I know you can't do everything right, and so I'm going to give you my Son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for you, and all you have to do is accept what He has given, and that is His life for you. And that is the standard by which we are judged. By God's perfect standard. By God's perfect Son. And when God judges sinfulness, and the day is coming when He will, that is a righteous judgment it is deserved by those who receive it because they have given every opportunity to repent the fourth poured out his bowl on the sun he was given power to burn people with fire and people were burned by the intense heat so they blasphemed the name of God who had the power over these plagues and they did not repent and give him glory The fifth poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues because of their pain and blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores. Yet they did not repent of their actions. For those who were in... Christ, We saw at the beginning of chapter 15 that there was rejoicing in heaven because justice was about to be served. They saw that God's glory was about to come to be. But for those who had rejected Jesus Christ, they refused to acknowledge the Lord as God. Even in the midst of all of their suffering and all of their pain, as the sun, heat is poured out upon them as the kingdom of the beast is plunged into darkness. All the things that have taken place up to this point, they see what God has poured out upon them, and they curse God, they blaspheme God. They don't want anything to do with God. They would rather continue to suffer in their pain than to repent of their sinfulness. They probably think God is not being fair. God has been very fair. God has been very fair for thousands of years. It wasn't fair that God had to give up His Son to die for us, but He did. It wasn't fair that God gives us time after time after time after time to come to church and hear His Word, to turn on the radio and hear His Word to open the Bible and hear His Word, to have friends and family to tell us His Word and to tell us about Jesus Christ. God didn't have to do that. God didn't have to give us all those opportunities. But God has given you all those opportunities. And here today, you are sitting in this room and you're hearing God's Word. You're hearing Jesus Christ. You're hearing what is to come. God didn't have to give you this opportunity this morning. But you have a decision to make. You have the opportunity this morning, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ, to accept Him. To accept grace. So that you can be part of the crowd who's around the throne when the end times come. That you can be part of the crowd who are praising the Lord for sparing you, for giving you grace. You have the opportunity to accept Jesus Christ. You also have the opportunity to reject Jesus Christ you have the opportunity to have the same reaction as the ones we see here. They refuse to repent. They would rather live in their sinfulness than acknowledge that there is a loving God who has given everything for them, who desires for them to turn to Him so that they can be spared. You have to make that choice. I wish I could make that choice for everybody. It would be so awesome. Everybody would be Christians. We'd all go to heaven. It'd be wonderful. But I can't make that choice. Your parents, grandparents, your kids. Nobody can make that choice for you. You have the same choice that these people in the book of Revelation have had. And we see some who have stuck by the Lord in Jesus Christ. In the midst of adversity, they realized who God was and they repented of their sin. But we see some from the beginning of the book till now that still have the same hardness of heart that they had and they refuse to repent. I don't want you to leave this place today if you've not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I don't want you to experience the sores and the pain and the agony of the sun bearing down on you, the living in darkness, all the things that are going to take place when God's wrath is poured out. I don't want you to experience that. I want you to experience Jesus Christ, a man who knew every sin you were going to commit, and he died for you. He gave his life for you. He gave everything for you so that you wouldn't have to drink water mixed with blood, but that you could drink pure and clean, everlasting water, and you will never thirst again. A Savior who said, Come to Me, all you you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. If you're in this room today and you need rest, if you've been struggling in sin and struggling with the world and you're tired of struggling and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, then Jesus is calling. Come to Him today. Experience His grace so that you can escape God's wrath. Let's pray. God, I come to You this morning. I thank You for Your good Word. God, it's hard. It's tough. It's serious. But it's good. It's good. It's good because You're trying to get our attention, dear Lord. You're trying to draw us to You, God. You're giving us a fair warning. God, there will be no excuse on that day when it comes for those who reject You. God, I pray that if there are any in this room today that have not accepted Jesus Christ, that they have heard this warning, that they realize how bad things are going to be, but that they also realize, God, that You don't desire for them to have to suffer through that. God, that Your desire is not for us to suffer through Your wrath, but Your desire is for us to experience Jesus Christ. And so I pray that Your Holy Spirit would tug on any heart in You, that if they have not accepted Jesus Christ, that they would say a simple prayer, dear Lord. That they would say, dear Lord, that they acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Your Son. That they acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. God, that they right now would ask Jesus Christ to come into their heart. That they would just say, dear Lord, forgive me of my sins and what Jesus did on the cross. God, that they would acknowledge that He arose from the grave, that He has conquered the enemy, that He has conquered sin and defeated death. That they would acknowledge that He is victorious and that they want to share in that victory that He has brought forth. God, that they would acknowledge that You are God and that they are forgiven and that they would know that they are loved and that they would make that commitment, that they would make that decision, that that relationship that they have obtained with You, that they would come down today, that they would make it public, that they would tell the world that they have accepted Jesus Christ. And I ask these things in Jesus' name I pray. I mean